T-minus three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Launch Sequence Podcast, episode 57, coming up after Alien Week, uh, Invictus Week, and then Alien Week, and we've got a little episode planned to cover that too, celebrate a little bit of the cultures, the aliens, the languages, and all the work that's gone into developing that for Star Citizen, and with me to cover that are two of the experts, Jail and Chris Harrow. Welcome guys, and thank you for coming Hello. on the show this week. Hey, Salam. Chase so, so these two know a lot about the alien cultures in the game, way more than I do. So instead of doing my own introductions or anything like that, I'm going to let you guys tell everybody what exactly it is you do, what brings you into this part of the game, and why you decided to come in to talk about it. Well, I'm Jail. I um, cracked open the Xi'an language guide PDF when it came out and never looked back. I have a little YouTube channel where I do post random things that in, I enjoy making, which includes Xi'an language content in the past. And um, I'm a regular guest on Paul Shelley's Astro Historian Law System podcast. And I'm Chris Harrow. I started um, learning Xi'an directly after it was presented on CitizenCon um, in 17, 2017. And um, I directly started by creating tools and, and learning materials, and then um, by finding out that um, there was no work, no easy to writeable font, I created one, and yeah, it was bought by CHG, and then they used it. And from then, my journey started uh, by creating other fonts and working with um, the linguist, with Watkins, and everything. <laughs> so you've actually gotten involved with CIG and helped them create the fonts for these languages. Me, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will talk about that uh, soon. First, I, we, I think we should do a, a broad introduction. Actually, you know what? I was going to say of the alien races, but first, how about you, you both? How did you both get into Star Citizen? Was this something you did for other games before? Or is Star Citizen what inspired you to get deeper into the lore and xenolinguistics? Yeah, also for, sorry. For, also for me, it's um, it's Star, Star Citizen. It's it's not uh, really like, it's not like a game. It's more like a, a way of life. And I started in uh, August um, thirteen, and Brand yeah, from then on, right when it started, developed <laughs> just a little bit after the Kickstarter campaign ended. Okay. Joined. Yeah, it was very early. <laughs> I think I joined a couple of years in. Uh, I was. Lured in by um, sort of, I, I was watching a lot of Scott Manley's Kerbal Space Program videos, and then I saw his content on Star System, and that led me down a rabbit hole. But my my relationship to it has been similar to, uh, bef you know, when I was much younger, I was very much into uh, Morrowind and the Elder Scrolls, and I was part of like modding communities, making making like big mod projects as a hobby. So I've always had this tendency to to end up going down the rabbit hole of of trying to unpick the um the stories behind the stories and the the other parts which are um a deeper level than just the uh just just the superficial level of of the game. So it it means a lot when companies go a little deeper 
or even a lot deeper, I guess, into creating some backstory and lore for this stuff and, and makes it make sense. One of the things mm. that I think it was the first time that I understood that these kinds of things, languages and different races and species in the game could actually matter was when I started playing No Man's Sky, I think it was like 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. And they had the thing where you could go and you could find a word and it would translate that word for you so that whenever you came across it again, you would actually understand it. And that was the first time that I was just like, wait a second, this could be really, really cool for gameplay in a game that kind of goes all in on that aspect. And then I was like, oh, Star Citizen's doing that. What do you know? <laughs> so I, I, I get where you're coming from when you get more involved in that, when you get into this game. What? Yeah, I think... I think there was a real moment for me when I I'd, I'd played a lot. A lot of people would have played like Oblivion, Skyrim, Morrowind, yeah. and I played a hun like hundreds and hundreds of hours of it before realizing that the symbols around actually meant something, and the places were named in a way which meant something, and even the the sort of like paper map that came in the box, you could see words written around that meant something, and you could go to that place in the world and find the place that was named that thing translated and it was just like suddenly my entire uh, you know my mind was blown because i hadn't even realized that about a game that i thought i knew um and i, I wonder if that experience is going to be similar for some people with star citizen if they're not aware of what's what a sign might say in, in an alien language it's just there's so much detail packed into the game you know it's it's hard to see everything you go through a city for the 100th time and you're like oh there's a city map here I didn't even know that. So I could, I could totally see that happening. So let's start out with a little disclaimer because you always need those when it comes to Star Citizen. Now, we're going to be talking about these languages being developed and, and all that kind of stuff. But going towards what Jail just said, this isn't necessarily something that's that's new to games, right? A lot of games will create languages and cultures and things for the alien races in them. Is that at least something that you guys know about? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Some games, yeah. <clears throat> and I know, other... I know even also sorry, and I know a game that or I heard of a game where this uh, central um, game mechanic is uh, deciphering a, an alien language. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a not a crazy thing to do. And the other disclaimer, because this is one that will pop up in the YouTube comments, of, of course, the people who are working on these languages and building out the lore and all that stuff aren't the same people who could be instead fixing bugs, right? And, and putting out more features for the next update. No. Yes. Okay, no. so whenever, whenever somebody wants to say that, just remember, they're not the same people this time. With all that being said, though, can we get a, for all the people who are just starting, maybe this is their first dip into the lore of this game, their first chance to learn about the alien species, can we get a basic rundown of the different species in this game, rather the basic, uh, we'll, we'll say, civilization level species and how they compare to humans? If you guys want to just dish them out, however, I think there's four races, so however you want to do it. Yeah, Chris, you pick one first, and then I'll, I'll take okay. the next one. <laughs> so I, I think as I started with the Xi'an, it's, probably, it's, it's my, my favorite race, and... Um, yeah, I'm starting to think of me as a, a being a Shi'an <laughs> slowly. Yeah. Also, this, the Shi'an, they're a, a very old race. And um, 
they are because of their physiology they um, get very old too so like the 300 to 400 years or and um they started um, on on the on the planet they started um, being not the um the, uh, the major uh, race or the the, the, the um, alpha predator so where they um had to to hide more and they were hunt, hunted by by, by um prey uh, they were more the prey type so they um started um being more cautious and uh, so or their the whole um um behavior is more like they do more um um what's it called <sighs> diplomacy diplomacy oh. and everything okay. yeah yeah and um their 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 society is um uh, is more um like uh, it's like uh, um, it's uh, it's a metric matriarchy where the um so Jay, just um Add to uh, to reason you're more you're more into the law than me. <laughs> if I said something wrong, and, no, no, um, no, it's all, all correct. <clears throat> they have they have, they have houses, and um, they uh, the ma- the males are they don't don't play this the, the big role in their houses. It's it's more because of the matriarchy. matriarchy. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, they have uh, names for like for grand 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 grandmother. So they are um, <laughs> because they live so long. They they all they stay uh, they stay um, around longer than than, than for us. For, for okay. us, it's like usually uh, grand uh, grand grandmother. Um, I mean, for that, them it's, it's like four levels or five levels to, um, in the in the past. It reminds me of real life. Grandma's in charge. You know, nobody mm-hmm. nobody nobody acts out if grandma is in the room. Jian know what's up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Xi'an, because they are very old, uh, an older race, they are um, higher, uh, have higher te- technological level and from the development. They even uh, develop a, sp- a special ma- magnetic levitation technique. And because it's, it's, it stood, uh, it was around so so long for them, it's it's like normal. For, for example, the, the, the dishes um, on their meals, they are, they float, and they they use uh, they don't use stairs and letters, uh, ladders. They have just, uh, for, for example, the car to all, where when you, when you want to enter the ship, it just, um, so, uh, five discs leave the ship, uh, float in front of you like steps, and then you just uh, step on them and get into the ship, and then they float in and you can go on. Yeah. And, uh, well, for example, they have, they have uh, elements on their clothing uh, that's uh, not connected to the, to the actual uh, clothes. It's, it's like, um, it's, it's floating around your, your head, for example. So, yes, I want. I once asked, yeah. what, "What's the most gratuitous use of that technology they have?" And Sherry said it was um, setting the dinner table. They can sort of do a thing, and then all the dishes just come out. And <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a uh, there's there's a Disney movie that does something like that, the with the witches and and stuff. That's so they're kind of like the the high tech race, like the 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 um. Gosh, I don't remember what the word. There's like an archetype that that's used in sci-fi, but they're like the technologically the elder, advanced elder, elder race, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. and and they have kind of interesting relations with the humans, right? Yeah. Basically, <clears throat> when they the the first contact um, was not uh, very um, 
like two uh, two races met and they and then they started diplomacy I think and it's more it was more the, the way uh, I think it was miners or or, or um, prospectors that um, created I uh, found a new jump point and they found that as a planet that's very rich on resources and then they started a settlement there and uh, wanted to to get uh, start prospecting and getting start mining companies getting there and everything but then. Um, <clears throat> it was a Xi'an planet. It didn't know it. And when the uh, the Xi'an uh, on the, their fleet uh, arrived there, they um, yeah they took the the uh, the prospectors um, uh, in, in the ship, and then they they returned them to to where they came from. Right. And then we just kind of had a cold war with them for a, for a pretty long time, right? Like yeah, I think because of the Mesa regime. Right. So and. Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, and they because of the Cold War, they had uh, like the the um, uh, what was the the Perry line a line of systems that was used as a buffer a buffer zone between the um, the Shi the human empire and the Shian empire. Right. And um, one thing um, what's funny for me um, is that because the the, the whole Shian uh, empire. Is not known to, to humanity the the extent how much the Xi'an Empire big it is, and um, it's uh, so from what is it is known currently it seems like the Xi'an um, like, like their fleet for example is like uh, at least ten times bigger than all uh, all the fleet of the UE, and the UE is just uh, we're boasting and you have your Cold War and the Perry Line and every, <laughs> every every moment the Xi'an, if they wanted to, they could just come over and, and wipe us off the table. <laughs> right. For the yeah. Xi'an, it's not a Cold War. They're just waiting. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've always felt that the Cold War is rather one-sided, that the Messers mm. wanted, you know, wanted them to be this threat that the Xi'an weren't interested in being, but it was a useful boogeyman to justify Oh, sorry. You can't. We can't build a school. We got to defend against, you know, uh -huh, the Shia yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, definitely I sounds like a lesser thing. There was a, a funny point. I, I don't. Uh, do you know the name of the of the guy um, uh, who was uh, uh, he was um, working uh, like the opposition? He was was um, wanted to to um, get rid of the Messer regi regime and um, the, uh, secretly the Shia started um, a di diplomacy with him. Just to um, be sure. Yeah, it was Terence Akari who was the who was the senator for Terra, ah, and, yeah. and he basically like snuck out and negotiated an end to the the Cold War without consulting with the government. <laughs> and it was one of the it was one of the it was in this period when the messes were so in disarray. He just kind of went, you know, I've got a peace treaty. Go and sign it, please, because I've I've just negotiated peace, and um, <laughs> it was one of the things that led to the downfall of the messes. Wow! Wow! Well, despite this Cold War that the Messers seem to want with the Xi'an, it's also the one of the races that we actually share a lot of technology with, right? Misk uses a lot of technology from the Xi'an, and we have some of their manufacturers mm -hmm. making ships that we can use. So, and, and I think the, is it the whole series that's really popular in Xi'an space, or is that Banu space that is popular? I think it's popular in both, really. It's yeah. um, the... There's um, it appeals to a uh, Xi'an sensibility of a pure function. That, right, you right. Know, they'll dedicate an entire planet to a specific purpose. So a mm. ship that is so like perfectly balanced for just trade is, um, you know, it's it's kind of in their aesthetic. Makes them salivate. Bread mm. and butter. And 
And I have another anecdote. Um, when MISC started um, the, their technology partnership with Xi'an, um, they, they sent a, um, like a, like a, a team of, of, of um, engineers and, and a lot of company people to the, uh, to the Xi'an uh, space to, to negotiate. And um, then they, when they entered Xi'an space, they had to find out that um, Xi'an have a different um, um, way of handling like um, criminals, for example. Because the Xi'an, um, they, they, they get so old, um, you can when, it's, when somebody is, do, is doing a, a crime, you cannot put him in, into into jail for for um, like for, for his life, rest of his life because it's, it's so long. So they um, they, they tend to um, have the, the lesser the lesser crimes um, uh, that when they got, got the set sentence, they um, it's more like they they uh, get a new work contract and then they work as as former criminals and then they have to work there. Their, um, their crime adapt off, and um, there's even other uh, like, like like crimes uh, syndicates or, or houses. I think it's, it's like crime syndicates, where um, <clears throat> yeah, when you when you enter Xi'an space, what the the MISC um, delegation uh, had to find out that uh, they are that criminal criminal organizations that are um, they 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 uh, yeah, what's called they. Uh, legitimized by by the Xi'an government, so they they can do their stuff in this array of space if they are not too eager to uh, still to wash up. Yeah, and the the, the MIS delegation had to to find, to uh, pay um, to ma pay money to to get to this area of space to to their final destination. Huh. They're very uh, very um, puzzled. There's a lot of there's a lot of complications that come come up when you start living three times the age that we normally expect. Yes. So, the Xi'an also are one of the most focused on races in the game. They have their own language. It's very built out. Like you said, you even helped um, to create the font itself for CIG. What is what is something that we can get from their language? What's something that the Xi'an language tells us about their culture or their race that, that might be interesting to people? Oh, that um, many aspects. <clears throat> so when I when I um, talked to Britain, he told me that when when he when he starts um, on on, on uh, the language of, of an alien race, he gets um, uh, like all the the information the law team um, uh, created for this race, and then he creates aspects of the language and special things. Then um, he asks uh, specific uh, questions that, that come up when he when he uh, develops things. They, he asked the law team, "Yeah, okay, what's uh, with this aspect of society, or for example, um, uh, of their because they're living so long? Uh, how, uh, how would be called, for example, uh, a grand grand grandmother? Because um, yeah, then, then the, the law team they, they said to him, oh, uh, we didn't think of this aspect at all. Right, so yeah. we have to create more more law. Um, so this is uh, working together to create more and more." By each iteration, I think that also you know they really respect the fact you can't separate a language from a from a culture. They have yes. to be developed in in parallel. Mm -hmm. It'd be like trying to develop <clears throat> an alien race without the concept art and or the concept art without an idea of what the race is going to be. Um, so it, it you, you get a lot of things I think about their personality for, from both Banu and Xi'an through their language. 
in Xi'an, there's no way to say that you're lucky. You can only say that you try and you were successful or not. Whereas in Banu, there's words to say that you're lucky and that you expressing hope. Um, you know, in, I, 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 it's not explicitly stated in Xi'an, but it almost seems like you know there is there is no um, you, you don't you don't hope that you succeed. You just try your best and do well and have ability. And you either will win or you won't, and that, I think that expresses a lot about their their mentality. Mm -hmm. That's and interesting. You, and um, when you mentioned uh, concept art for for a, for an alien race, it is especially um, important. For example, how their their mouth part is is formed, because mm -hmm. when they when they have, for example, a beak or something, or, or or like big teeth or something, when they they could they don't have lips, if they couldn't close their mouth their mouth. They, they couldn't do any P sounds, um, for example. So they, they, you would have a, a language that doesn't have any P's in, in it, like huh. the, the sounds. Because okay. they, you don't have lips. You, you, lip, without lips, you, you can only do uh, sounds like, like this. Yeah, it only makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's very inter interlocked with each other. The design, uh, the how they're looking, how they... Uh, their physiology is and how their society is with the language. Yeah. That's going to be that's going to be very Sorry. cool. It's like one of those things that you mentioned, Jail, earlier. It might not be something that people necessarily notice because it's such a small detail. But once you know the knowledge that tells you that, and then you go back to like Xi'an space, <laughs> being able to recognize that is really cool. I think that the the ultimate overarching thing with what the xenolinguistic stuff means from a game design perspective is understanding that 99.9% .9 of people will never learn it to the level where they'll ever, they'll ever just like look at it and understand it right. and probably you know like 99% of people won't even necessarily get out the guy to work out what a symbol on a wall is um, instead you got to think of it like painting with a particular color it's it's the color that says this area is not necessarily for you this area is exotic this area is is somewhere that is um traveled by aliens and therefore you should understand it like that so if you want to surround the player with stuff that they essentially probably won't understand you have that option and it always comes down to this question of will the aliens actually be speaking the alien languages well they will when they don't want players to necessarily understand what they're saying and if they'll be speaking english or UEE standard, um, when they do want you to understand it. And there'll be a translation when they want to show that the alien is very alien, but they want you to understand it. They have all those options available to them. And it's just giving them the tools to go, okay, do we want to ratchet up the the alienation of the player by making the aliens more alien in this scene? Adds a, it adds a ton of context. And yeah. the Shian have another aspect too, because they are um, getting so old, they have uh, much more time to learn languages uh, than humans, usually. And uh, humans uh, can learn, like, when they can speak like four or six languages, they are uh, very um, language-centric. But uh, Shian can, can learn like uh, 10, 20, 30 languages of, of Earth, uh, even with uh, different um, um pronunciation aspect or, or, or um, local differences like um yeah that is they could, they, they, they could, uh, she could speak um uh, scottish for example without problems <laughs> even i can't speak scottish 
there's there's a couple of like I think kind of meta points that they have written in. They say, yeah, there's a reason why a lot of Xi'an and a lot of Banu speak UE standards, and then also um, with the Banu, it's their their fragmented culture. With the Xi'an, it's their ancient homeworlds and so forth, or their their houses homeworlds that will have different dialects and accents. It's all just cover for the fact that the uh, the voice actors might not all sound the same essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. so they can kind of cover oh that mispronunciation it's not a mispronunciation that's just how they say things on lawo yeah it's their accent uh, yeah 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 so actually that is that that brings up an interesting point you're talking about how 99 percent of players really aren't going to learn this stuff it's not going to make that big a difference do you think that they're not going to try and tie too many major aspects of the game into this like Will you do you see a mission happening? Uh, let's say Xi'an space, just to be the most extreme, where you practically can't finish the mission if you don't know how to read any Xi'an, or do you think there will always be a way to get around it? I I know that the tools exist. That's the thing. You they they've made the tools, and you can entirely make procedurally generated content which is going to spit out some Xi'an characters that you have to understand. Right. Even if it's just like the code to a lockbox and um, you know you can do them in numerals versus in words. They can say <coughs> one, two, three and the digits one, two, three can be expressed two different ways. So they've given themselves the tools but ultimately the writers don't design the gameplay. So mm-hmm. that's the, always been their answer is oh yeah We'll work with the gameplay designers when they decide what's going to be fun, and they have the option to make um, missions that rely on understanding a Xi'an phrase, which of course you could look up, or understanding some other Xi'an characters, which could be done in a sort of somewhat randomized fashion. So someone has to treat it like a puzzle. And yeah, those puzzles will be easy to make. But then to actually you know, the fact is that it then draws upon this depth of language that they have developed. Um, that That is less of a gameplay consideration, I think, and more of a uh, artistic and setting um, sort of consideration. Yeah. How long... Are any of you aware of how long they've been working on Xi'an, Alien, the, the modeling or the language or any of that stuff? Uh, I thought it went back as far as 2014, but I might not be correct in that. Um, I'm not certain. Do you, Chris, do you know better? I don't have any dates when they started to create a language. For example, I think um, Britain usually, I think it's, it takes half, half a year to, to uh, a full year to, to get the, the first iteration of the, the start of an alien language, I think. Hmm. Because it's just, I know a lot of people are waiting, right? People have been hearing about these these aliens for a while, and everybody wants to, I don't think anybody expects to see them in Stanton, but everybody wants to, you know, maybe get a peek here at ISC or some modeling at Star Citizen Live, and it does feel like their CIG is definitely biding their time and trying to decide when the perfect time to, to show these would be, even if it's any time before the actual game comes out. But... People are always asking, you know, how long have they been working on these aliens? Where are they? Why haven't they shown us yet? And yeah, the um, the Xi'an, they, they certainly have a Xi'an character model rigged and because that was uh, featured in the monthly updates quite heavily in the character art section sort of end of last year and then it 
stop being talked about, which yeah. implies well they're done with it. And we know that also that is in part for um Squadron forty two. Don't want to give any spoilers, but um that they they will feature there, so they were probably doing that work in aid of, of those scenes. So there's something going on behind the scenes. Yeah. I As mean always. they they dropped the Banu model fairly um you know, with, without much fanfare really when uh, it was what's it called the reunion that that you, you get to see the the Banu in the in the sort of uh cryo tube. Yep. Mm-hmm. All the effects and everything. That was very cool. That was a nice little little drop they did there. Speaking yeah. of which, shall we talk about the Banu next? Sure. So Banu were our first species we uh, ever made contact with. Um, they're an incredibly sort of capitalist-focused society. Well, it, 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 with both Banu and Xi'an, it's kind of wrong to just attach the, the words that we use for our societies because they are trade-focused, they're, they're mercantile-focused, certainly, but they exist in a social structure that's entirely different to our own. Uh, so their entire society is built around these ideas of su'ulis, which are um, best translated as sort of guilds, but they are um, a social structure wherein there's um, the boss, who's the esso su'uli, and then there's members of the su'uli who are essentially almost like stakeholders, and then there are people who are indentured to the su'uli. Um, and this idea of indentureship is is it's kind of their, their work contract society. But it ranges from everything from your salaried job to absolute kind of chattel slavery. Um, there's no and they they originally they were kind of portrayed as being slave traders. They I think they sort of tempered that by trying to say that it's almost more of like um a criticism of capitalism in it. They sort of go, well, we look at the people living on Hurston and we look at how they're treated and we look at their contracts and we look at what their rights are. That's just slavery with more steps. So we'll just we'll just do the slavery. <laughs> and so it's it's um kind of a, an interesting social structure. And you, when you are born, you are immediately sold to a child-rearing Suli, and they will raise you, and then you have to work off your debt to the um, to that child-rearing Suli, and you'll be bought, your then um, apprenticeship contract will be bought by another Suli, and you just end up working off these, these debts that are accrued through your life um, until you... Uh, Eventually, you may be free of the debt to the Su'uli, and then you just start making money. And eventually, you will reach an age of divestment, which is um, about forty-two Earth years. And then you can uh, you have sort of a, like a living wake, and then you are essentially retired, but uh, can go on to politics and stuff. Um, wow. The interesting th- thing about the Barney, though, is that they don't have they have a very different approach to time and memory. They don't remember things that aren't important, and they don't consider it important to remember what their home world is. They don't consider it important to record history. They only re- they don't re- consider it important to remember who invented a thing. They just like to use the thing. So all of their technology is kind of cobbled together um, from different races because they go, "Oh, that's cool. I'll take that. That's our idea now." They don't really have intellectual property rights. Uh, it's a very absolute kind of way to live. And yeah. the, the Suli system 
is terrifying <laughs> i mean it's it's essentially it's very dystopian sounding you can basically be passed back and forth between different people who own your debt for your entire life true but they kind of view it as uh as a privilege rather than a a problem because it comes with also that contract that you are signed up to will have provisions to look after you and you will, will define your rights as an individual and that is considered sort of inviolate you, you can't violate those those contracts so you you in, in a way will have more rights living in a in a suli with a good contract than you would in the uee as a general citizen well, hopefully they're better with their contracts than landowners land owners are nowadays, or rather your uh, your uh, your renter, whoever you're renting from, because sheesh. Yeah, <laughs> quite. When your life depends on it. So the Banu are are traders. They're mercantilistic. They uh, the most the most famous ship that I think most players know of is the Merchantman, which is basically dedicated to all of this selling and trading and and whatnot how has that affected their relationship with us as humans are they pretty close to us do we get along with them do we butt heads what's the story there yeah you you get banu living in human space you get humans going to live in banu space they'll you, you get people who want to make a lot of money they'll sign up to a a contract you know an indentureship contract for a couple of years to and spend some time in banu's society they've built their sh you know the, the merchantman is built around um being kind of appropriate for different races to live in not quite to the same level as the ryland but that's specifically there to be a multi-species ship um yeah then there's there's some characters in the law who've done that like um reggie who is the linguistics expert who wrote the Barnu language guide spent a, a few years living with the Barnu. Yeah, the Rust Society guide. Yeah, that's the one. Mm -hmm. And the Barnu are very short-lived <clears throat> compared to the um, even compared to humans. They only live to maybe sixty years old in wow. our years. So they they sort of live fast and kind of die relatively young. And they 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 as I say their perception of time is slightly different. They don't think of things in terms of absolute time of uh there being like today is 26th of june and where i'm sat it's uh quarter past six in the evening they wouldn't think of it in that terms they would think of it in terms of well it's um 20 beats since i had dinner and they think of it they think of everything in terms of relative time so there's no three days well there's there's no 29th of june there's only three days from now and and they they describe all terms, all times in those kind of terms of relative to different points, durations, and periods, rather than um, them having like a calendar or a clock. That is, I've, I've the the things I learned about the Banu, I think, are some of the things that interest me the most. And that might be because we have so much info about them. But like, I think. I remember hearing that they just straight up don't have a word or rather they don't directly say that they're sorry. They'll be like, yeah. they'll disappoint you and they'll be like, it's unfortunate that you're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> but and like not actually tell you that they apologize. It, that stuff is so funny to me. I can't help but always ask myself, will I 
get to encounter any of this in game because it's just it's so cool it's so yeah interesting how it develops this stuff but i also want it to matter you know uh, I've, i forgot to mention another word they don't have they don't have words for male and female because they don't have males and females they have only they are a uni gendered society um and uh, and they you know um there's some various interesting biological words one can use but um they're essentially in one state and then when they want to have children they one of the partners will enter a separate state and they still sexually reproduce but they um they sort of elect so it's kind of like with clownfish where one of the clownfish will change to accommodate um reproduction i was gonna say i thought there was an animal kind of like that that's interesting so yeah they the best term from biology would be dioecious which is actually a plant term but it because the, the other terms are a bit loaded, so okay. I always go for di dietious. I think is the word. Okay. That's what I, I want to mention another thing. Um, what's funny um, with, um, with the, the relationship, uh, relationship between uh, humans and Banu, um, especially when they do uh, trade uh, trading contracts with them, because um, when when a, in a Suli, um, the head of Suli, when he, he when he um, divests, then the the Suli is is. Um, is um, not just destroyed, but um, yeah, it's disbanded. Sort of. Disbanded, yeah. Said, yeah. yeah. So thanks, and it's disbanded. And um, the the contract that the human company had with with the Suli is um, nothing. We have we have to find a complete new uh, Suli that does the same um, th uh, things for you. That the same um, uh, for for example. When you have a company that uh, that buys um, Banu defenders uh, from Huasuli that manufactures these defenders, um, when you when you have a look at, at defenders produced by Banu, not, no ship is the same like like the other. There's not not a production line with, for example, like Anvil ships where every every ship is, is built the same from a blueprint. From yeah. a blueprint. Yeah. Every every Suli has uh, has its own way to creating. Um, Creating these defenders, and they they, they share um, the, the, the blueprints um, between each other. But they, they, everybody does his own specialty, and so when one Suli um, is specialized on uh, building better shield generators, for example, these defenders would have better shield generators than, than defenders from produced from another Suli. So it's very difficult to get the same quality um, ships as a, as a human company from the from the Banu. That also that also sounds a little scary. How things like your work could just end like that. It's yes. like I really hope that the whole Suli finding process isn't the same as getting a job for for us. Because I just imagine they'll be like, "Oh yeah, we'll hire you on to make merchantmen." Sure. Oh, this is your first job, no problem. But you need at least three ex three years experience making defenders. It's like <laughs> the same same things. It's like like you have to to um, to hire micro tech uh, programmers and they they call them the on their um, um, mobile glass. There's an app for it. The Suli Finder. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like that, it must be a galactic app for that because that sounds terrifying. I do. Go ahead, Joe. I was gonna say, yeah, uh, Banu culture is definitely extremely chaotic in that sense, in a way that. So sort of Xi'an culture ends up being 
sort of too rigidly um anti-chaotic there's not enough flexibility so they're kind of antipodean on those yeah on those points yeah which is which is cool and i really do hope that and i think this is probably something that'll happen you do get deeper and deeper into banu space when that ends up becoming a thing maybe you don't get involved in these things but you at least get like a mission where you have to help some banu maybe smuggle them out of the the city because they decided to leave their suli and you get to like hear some of that backstory and that that's good enough for me i'm just I'm excited to hear more about this as we play. There's actually one hint of gameplay possibility in the Rust Society Guide, which I I can see them doing, I can see it being very possible, was that you get better prices if you speak Banu. Right. And the way you do that is you just have a trade terminal that shows you the things in Banu rather than the one which is showing it to you in, in English. So that that wouldn't be that difficult to implement. And... People say, "Oh well, I'll just then I'll just learn those things, and that's I'm, I'm winning, um, you know, without having to learn the language." That's fine. That's that's still fun. That's still gameplay. That's that's all good. Yeah, it's still requiring you to get deeper into it, which is which is cool. So both of these, both of these species that we've talked about so far, the Jian and the Banu, are kind of the two that are most. The Tavarin are a special case. We'll talk about them. But they're kind of the two that are most friendly and intertwined with humans and thus know a lot more about what's going on in human space and subsequently what's going on with us in Stanton as we play the actual game. And Star Citizen's finally at a point where it seems like they have enough going on in the game that they're willing to start mixing in more of this lore and introducing more of this stuff. So recently, for those who haven't known... We got two letters released um, that were written in Jian and Banu. And members of the community were able to translate these letters and present them to the rest of the community to kind of show what was going on and, and what these letters meant. An actual chance for these skills to, to go to use. JL, I know you did some translations. Chris, I'm, I'm imagining you also got stuck into it. Would either of you or maybe both of you want to take turns to talk about what we got from these letters and kind of your thoughts on where you think CIG is going with releasing stuff like this and what they might do afterward? Well, the two letters were about the same topic. They were about Xenothreats and its impact on Stanton, but one from the Xi'an perspective and one from the Banu perspective. Both of us did a, Xi'an transla a translation of the Xi'an uh, mine was a live stream, so when things got tricky, I just go, okay, put something down, move on. Um, so Chris's translation is a lot better than mine. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was sort of a, a government warning to watch out for Dina threat, they're coming for you. And it really um, reflected a lot of their suspicions about humans. Chris, do you want to talk more about it? Yeah, and the letter was, was one part where they um, they said that currently it is not known um, how how much this um, this um, uh, hate against um, aliens um, spread in, inside the the human society. So they um, they hope that's not not too much, but they uh, currently don't know if if it's it's a general problem for for them that that's growing and, and rising, or is it just a localized uh, problem with these this. Uh, Shitty group and it's in Pyro, <laughs> yeah. Because they're they're talking about them, um, in in some senses they're talking about them in the pejorative mood, 
that's a specialty of, of uh, Xi'an. When the, Xi'an have like nine uh, verbs, but these nine verbs uh, can have uh, can have uh, six different levels of politeness. So they can you can for example you can you can say the the the, the, uh, the Sino threat group, but you can say it in in, in um, neutral mood with just uh, like like effect. Mm -hmm. But when you say it in pejorative, in, you say the the same, but you mean yeah these these vile um, bastards. Yeah, yeah, I get that. We all have those and people in our lives. You can kind of tell. And there are a couple of little law pieces in there beyond that so um they it revealed that there is a chalpuasal which is like an embassy on art corp um and also i think it had an interesting point in that from the xian perspective pyro is a human system so they consider pyro and stanton to be equally human's responsibility to make safe right and it was a little kind of hint of like yeah, the UE aren't really doing a very good job. The fact that they have this, you know, one of their systems. Of course, it's not actually claimed by the UEE, mm -hmm. but one of their systems is is so overrun with pirates that they're not even controlling. They're not even legal pirates. Come on, right? Yeah. Oh man. See, just these little things. You know, it's like, okay, is that is that a is that like a little hint at possibly a dynamic event a few years down the line when the Xi'an decide that they're sick of like dealing with Pyro? Because, yeah, those, those things are great. The little lore drops like that. So um, a Xi'an embassy on Arcorp also sounds pretty cool. That's that's very cool. So the Xi'an gave out a warning that was pretty straightforward and very open with their uh, suspiciousness towards us. Do all humans suck or is it just these ones? Spoiler alert, we all suck. And was was pretty protective. How about the Banu letter? That one was a little bit more recent, in fact, I think just the last few days. Yeah. Yeah, so the the, the Banu letter was was um translated by a member of our um UEE Dino Linguistic Institute. His, his name is Corvus. And um so he's he's currently he's our leading um expert on Banu because I'm more specialized on, on Xi'an currently. And um, for when he did uh, the translation, I, I supported him by uh, transcribing uh, the um, the text, the Banu text that was in, uh, just a posted image to the actual um, uh, uh, SRP writing. And, um, and we, can, I, uh, we, we can link the whatever his original post was. We can link that in the show notes here if people are interested. Yeah, sure. I, mean, I can show you the, the PDF we, we, we created um, for the translation. Um, sorry, what, what I wanted to say is, um, uh, yeah, and I created, uh, or I uh, uh, quickly created a my um, first iteration of the Banu um, uh, dictionary app, where you can um, just put in the the words and get a quick translation. You don't have to to search in the original document for the for the uh, meanings. Yeah, and uh, I can I can uh, provide you a link uh, with the, with these uh, for these apps too, so uh, members from the community can do their own translation. Um, yeah, yeah. Attempts. <laughs> yeah, my translations were were also heavily powered by Chris's tools because before those we would have just CIG's list of words, and then you might have a text document for all the words they haven't listed but are in the language, and you'd be just Control F, find word. And then Chris oh, yeah. made um, 
a dictionary which made that process a lot faster and then also this uh, basically drop in the whole sentence and it will look it up. It's not the same as auto translation though because it still takes an extensive deconstruction of the grammar and understanding of the context and also understanding some overlapping words to do a translation. Okay. Do you, do you guys think we'll ever be at that point where we could just some you i mean chris for instance your app could just auto translate a sentence no i don't think so okay. because when, when you have um, like apps like google translate they are working with machine learning and they, they have a huge um, library of of text um, to, to train these these um, ais um that but we don't have the, like we have three or four uh, texts in xian and this is not not enough yeah to, uh, Okay. To create a, a model that does add all the translation for you, so uh, this will, I don't think this will be possible in the near future. Also, I think people maybe underestimate how different the grammar is from English, yeah. because I mean, I, a lot of people study one or two European languages. If they if they speak English, they will have also. Um, if, if they speak English as their first language, they may have learned Spanish, French, German, and if you grow up speaking German, you've likely speak uh, learned some English, and so forth. Those languages aren't a million miles away from each other. Right. They they have they have a lot of shared roots, and to a large extent, yes, we have differences of grammar, we have differences of how we construct our sentences, but the th- fundamental thoughts are kind of have similar elements. There are verbs and there are nouns and there are adjectives. Whereas when we talk about Xi'an, those parts of meaning are not contained in the same words. They're not contained. There is no no such thing as a as really or as very rarely an adjective. And what we how we think of as verbs is not constructed in the same way. There are only nine verbs, or is it seven or nine? Nine. 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 There's nine verbs. And then every other verb in the entire universe has to be constructed in a different way. So it's not the case that we can just sort of swap words around uh, like you get with some conlangs, such as Klingon kind of works that way. It's kind of under the hood is kind of some fun words on top. Mm -hmm. It it requires a complete uh, conceptual reconstruction of a sentence in order to translate it. Right. This is a completely new... And it's crazy to think that like... To create the language, they had to think about that from the ground up. How can we distance it that that far from languages that other people can recognize? It's really cool. Um, just the whole practice, honestly. I think a lot of the basis is on... Um, I think a lot of the concepts come out of Mandarin for Xi'an. And um, I'm not so sure on the grammatical basis for Banu, but it does certainly have some tricks which were deliberately constructed to be... Uh, as as Britton said, um, he didn't know of any language that did certain things that Banu did. He was trying to think of something completely original. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those elements are are good. Of course, they you know these languages do end up having some roots in real world languages, partly because it's very very difficult to be completely one hundred percent original, sure. and partly because also. Um, there's a concept called a phonemic inventory, which is the collection of sounds in a language. And the collection of sounds in a language is, um, you know, they have to worry about having voice actors. So fact is, it's a lot easier to have a have a voice actor who understands, sorry, 
to keep a phonemic inventory that has a basis in a parallel English language, uh, sorry, parallel Earth language, so that the voice actors have a starting point. Yeah, yeah, they so, have a basis. Yeah, so the the sounds of Xi'an are largely based in sort of Chinese and Indo-Chinese languages, and the sounds of Banu are um, very familiar from, say, Swahili, um, because that, that gives you a good starting point. Okay. So the Banu letter uh, that came out after the Xi'an letter, was, was, was it generally the same kind of tone? Mostly no, not, not, not especially. Um, <clears throat> while the, the, the Xi'an the letter was more about um, the the the, the, um, the members of the of the um, of the Xi'an Empire, the, the, the more the leaders are warning um, the, the, the citizens um, to be careful and and where they can they can get help and when where they could find uh, they could hide, and um, in the in the Banu letter it's it's more like yeah here um, we are the, we are the, the Sona Soli and we are especially good at uh, fighting uh, alien uh, other um combatants and then you you have to you you have to hire us we can we can protect you and then so basically um it's it's like a sales pitch for okay for yeah very capitalistic very banu yeah cool well let's move on then to the more hostile alien species in the game one that a lot of people just think of it <laughs> one that a lot of people think of as the big baddies and i'm sure many in the ue would like to have you think they are the big baddies um but they are dangerous and they're known as the vanduul now i don't know if we have a language for them or anything like that um but is there deeper knowledge that we do have about the vanduul that maybe isn't that common um how they live, what their drive is, why they're why they even matter in the game. Could you guys give people who don't know, I guess, a good introduction on them? So, um, what I can say is um, there are parts that I'm not allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, basically, I, I can I can uh, I can say sure, uh, sure there is a, they they have a language, and. Um, because they have to have language to have right. a society. That would that would be important. And um, uh, but this this language um, is is not is not known to to uh, to humans or to Xi'an or to other other races because uh, um, they are so hostile. They they don't they negotiate. They don't do diplomacy. They just attack and, and kill and, um, and take the, uh, their share. They they want to have. So there's not no yeah no communication directly with them. So there's not so too much we know. What we know, um, for example, of, of Banu, um, Banu, um, they, they, some Banu solely um, uh, do trade with with, um, with Vandul, for example. So that's they, for example, they could have uh, like technology that uh, that originated from from Vandul. It might and, be safer if I answer the questions about. Um about vandal because i don't have any insider knowledge so i know only know what's publicly available anyway so chris can sort of confirm based on that um because they yeah they 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 also have their as i say their their language has been developed for quite a long time because they've got to record all the bits for squadron 42 um their script was originally based on the idea of what one could scrawl with a claw um Mm -hmm. So it, that was done by 
Ben Watkins had put um, tinfoil over like a, a pan and was making shapes of um, what he, he could scratch. He huh. even created created a claws. Um, yeah. He built claws uh, to to scratch this um, aluminum foil to to create the wow. That is set of letters. Yeah. That's so cool. And um, they um, the another little feature of that, which was an old idea. I'm not sure if they ever if they followed through on this was that. And I think this comes a little bit from Star Trek. Um, each letter began as the sigil of one of their clans. And then they became their language through essentially people associating a letter with the clan and then essentially evolved into a letter. Okay. So I think it kind of um, is maybe a reference to um, Darmok, the classic xenolinguistics episode of Star Trek, where you have Picard on a planet with someone who the universal translator can translate the words he's saying, but not the memes. And the everything being a reference to a, a classical hero. Um, so the idea of like crossing a crossing a river would be uh, was it like Darmok on a boat with Jalad or something like this? Because it's referencing a story from their legends. It'd be like it'd be it'd be like if if you to say somebody got shot. You would be saying like, "Oh, Kennedy in um, Dealey Plaza," as like that's the way mm. that you say someone got shot. Okay, so you and wouldn't I have think, all the words in there. Yeah, well, I, I think that they might be referencing that a little bit by saying that the letters mean individual clans in the past. Okay, so the Vanduul are probably the most mysterious alien race to us as humans in the game. Um, We've never really had a chance to be diplomatic with them. Well, besides the, I I think maybe you're thinking the Kurthak. I'm not sure. Or or yes. yeah yeah. They're so more mysterious. <laughs> right. So I I never know how to approach them. But in terms of like these main three that we interact with, or I guess there are four: the Tavarin, which we'll we'll talk about after this. Um, the the Vanduul seem to be the ones that we can't really get to learn much about. Yeah, currently. I mean, yeah. we, we only got their language from, essentially, in law, we got it from capturing this um, capital ship of theirs, which is also, I think, where we get the, uh, the, all, the, all of the glaives in existence that were captured were from this one captured ship. And they, um, yeah, they, we, we had to back-translate from there, but it took years and years to work out from uh, the top minds at University of Moscow were the were the ones working on that. Okay. Um, cool. Well, the Vanduul are are they didn't put out a letter because they don't care about Xeno Thread, <laughs> so we won't talk about that. Um, but they are the third race, the big baddies. After them, though, are the Tavarin, who we've mentioned a couple times now today, and the Tavarin have a very interesting story. Who would like to take on their little introduction? I think, Jay, you are more proficient. <laughs> sure, they, um, we, we've covered it quite extensively in um, Law System podcasts. People who want to get deeper on it. But we um, essentially, soon after discovering the Xi'an, we discovered this, this race who had um, they'd yet to discover jump points. So they were in, I, well, I think they had yet to discover jump points, but they were certainly suffering from being overpopulated and having um, very little space left in their home system 
and they hadn't discovered any other aliens and we discovered them and it's a little bit controversial what happened next but basically we ended up at war with them they 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 were trying to invade us in order to take our planets for them to grow into um then there's there's we won the war um somewhat narrowly actually because the um we hadn't really needed a strong military up until that point but we had to very quickly develop the doctrines for interstellar war and then um we occupied their homeworld and that's when we became the uee because out, out of that war a war hero basically took over as a fascist dictator and then Yay. there were there were holdout elements that had sort of run off at the end of the war and they came back with a vengeance about 40 years later and we had a second war and that was a war basically to try and reclaim their homeland and they failed at that and they failed so badly that they just ended up the entire fleet just suicided in itself into the um the atmosphere of their homeworld and the the cultural devastation that this caused this kind of hopelessness caused them to um essentially tear down their their temples burn their books and just sort of go look we've built so they were very kind of like um built around a sort of warrior code and a religion that was all about their personal honor and they fought fought two wars based on these principles lost devastatingly and just went this entire culture just clearly isn't working we're going to burn it down and the so the only things we ever kept of theirs were um were essentially the things that the humans had stolen from them and put in their museums and they um so they became a very kind of dissolute people they were um a lot became criminals a lot sort of spread throughout the empire doing dirty work and evil work um and only recently has there been a sort of resurgence in an idea of like proud Tavarin. So you got people like Suj Kossi who was um came up through the military and was um it uh, became a citizen, which is a hard thing to do for a Tavarin, and became a senator and has been the first alien senator. The Tavarin have a sad story. It's seriously it's crazy to think of in an entire species just kind of being like well let's just let's just erase this all like that's wild to me and that's yet another part of the lore that i really do hope lives on in the game that we can explore because that's that's a crazy story and the fact that they were assimilated into the uee and made to live alongside the people who wiped them out just all sorts of storylines I can see coming off of that. Um, mm. We don't really... Do we know much about a language from the Tavaran? Well, they weren't part of the original stretch goal for, for alien languages. So when Chien came out and the question was like, okay, are we going to get to uh, Tavaran? The answer was, we'd like it, but we can't guarantee it. And then it seems like the answer to that question has evolved over time to more of a when we get it so i don't it's not perfectly guaranteed but i think that there is it was on the cards chris might chris will almost certainly know more i can see a little smile on his face and uh cheeky smile <laughs> and you can see that there's thoughts about tavarin in some of the other language documents so in the banu guide they talk about how the banu learned the word tavarin from us so it's tefarino because if they had learned to the word tavarin from 
how Tavarin's say it, it would be like Tafreen with like a really long sort of E sound. Okay. So it, it it's it's certainly implied that there's some thought about it going cool. on. Okay. Okay. But, uh, sorry, so I have another uh, small thing that I want to add. Um, basically, the um, the Vandul uh, learned the name of 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 the race of humans by um, contacting a, a trade partner of the Banu. So they, uh, when they, when they, they encountered humans, they, they, they didn't know that we call us humans. They, they, they learned this afterwards from the Banu. Okay, so they oh. were communicating with the Banu. Yeah, is this hot law? If it runs in the, the law, it's, it's, it's public. Hmm, public. Some somewhere, somewhere off in the distance, where nobody can find it. Public. Well, that's that's a very interesting little fact, actually, because I never even thought about the fact that we would be able to discern things of alien races based on how they communicate in words that we technically didn't teach them. That's just all kinds of complicated. I mean, we can tell things about human language from the way that they communicate because humans don't speak English. They speak UE standard, which is kind of a lot of English, but plus 900 years of like melding and yeah. evolution. Yeah. And Within Xi'an, you get loan words from humans. So you get like the word madman is kind of like their maman, which is like YOLO. Um, But you also (laughs) have words from French, from Japanese, from Spanish that have become loan words in Xi'an, kind of implying that humans are still using those words or that they're part of UE standard. Right, yeah, they're getting passed over. One, one thing came just, just to my mind when you mentioned um, the uh, these uh, loan words from, from humans, and not even loan words, um, they, uh, the Xi'an even uh, got a complete uh, concept from us because before um, they, um, the Xi'an con- uh, contacted the humans, they didn't have a, a concept of shopping. Mm. They, they, they learned from from humans that that you can go somewhere and and just enjoy uh, buying things, and then they they, uh, they create the the, the word um, shop, shopping is shopping. Huh? They didn't get that from the Banu. Yes, from us. From us. I don't, I don't think they. I don't know if it's known whether they knew the Banu before they knew us. I think they they met the Banu through us. So okay. I'm not, okay. Not certain on that though. Um, humans, the kings of shopping. So happy yeah, they, to be spreading that throughout the verse. <laughs> their approach to commerce natively is is more to within their um yeah uh, are which is the these houses which are kind of almost like nations or corporations. They procure everything that is needed for the people who live within them. So and then you essentially requisitioning what your little family wants. So you don't go sh- clothes shopping. You would just uh, requisition what your house has procured from a a clothes suli, uh, sorry, not a clothes, well, could be from a clothes suli or from a clothes ewer. And then you go, all right, that's your, it's sort of like an internal communism and an external sort of inter business to business trade or, or international trade. That's a lot. It's interesting how, how deep the, uh, the cultures go, like how much thought is put into them. So, real quick, before we wrap things up, as a little extra bonus to of, of aliens that we're looking at, the one that we did mention a little while ago, the one that I know absolutely nothing about, other than that it's 
a little distant from humans and uh I, I won't put chris too much on the spot i don't want to make you trip up on anything you can't say but could you guys give the the listeners a little rundown on who the kerthak are because they are almost never mentioned or talked about i actually don't think i've ever seen them in any anything other than maybe you know like several years ago in a forum so i can i can simply say i, I didn't do anything on the kerthak okay. work on, on anything with them but what i know from from law that's just published is that the the kerthak are basically um from from, from the the uh, spatial uh, standpoint the, their empire is uh, from a, from a human uh, empire of humans on the other side of, of so behind the, the Shian Empire. So we don't have any contact points with the Kretak. So we would have to fly through the Shian space to um, to meet the Kretak. So there are some 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 diplomats or some some um, government guys um, wanted or uh, thought about to uh, to make contact with the Kretak and. Um, the, uh, the Shi'an are, are very, very sensitive about this this topic, so they wouldn't allow any any other races to try to contact the Kutak. And um, because the Kutak, they are the Shi'an Empire and the Kutak Empire, they are um, like at war for over three hundred years. So it's a, it's a very long time where they're fighting, and it's 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 more like like a religious war. Which is scary because knowing how much we are overpowered by the Xi'an military to think that another species is holding them back for 300 years is like, oh boy, we're, we're small. Yeah, there's a couple of things to, to know about them. One is that they, they've said in an interview, I think, last year's Alien Week, the Kathak are very much sort of their on-the-shelf baddies for the future. They they're not telling us anything because it's not for us to worry about for now. But they want it, you know they they have this ability then to introduce a new big baddie, but it's been foreshadowed. And I think the second thing to that was really interesting about them, which is really the only other thing we've ever learned about them, was from last year's Alien Week Xi'an letter, was that they really know how to hurt the Xi'an, and that was a letter all about. Um, from the, from the middle of the, these wars called the Spirit Wars, and the um, the the Kafak came in and and destroyed this um, this naval base where it was all the people who were all the young Xi'an that were just about to join the military for their their mandatory service period, and they 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 just wiped it out and they they used this this terminology of made I think it's made bones of the station which means like to completely destroy. And it wasn't just that they were killing off military assets, and it wasn't just that they were killing off people. They were killing off the futures of those houses by killing their young. And it was it was a real sort of stick the knife in and twist it moment in those wars. And the Kurthak will do what needs to be done. I can. Well, they definitely... seem pretty. They seem pretty ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I can see that being. You know, obviously we're in the the, the ages of quarterly updates that don't really have much theme to them yet but once the game is quote unquote live and we're getting these maybe major once a year themed updates i could totally see the kerthak being introduced kind of the same way the thargoids were in elite dangerous mm-hmm. scary though yeah they, they sound scary well that wraps up just about all of the species in the game that are 
at least that I know of, that are a civilization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's one one race called the Hadesians that went extinct, where you can still find, will find uh, like artifacts or um, tombs or yeah. So cities. <laughs> there there are a few of those sort of sci-fi tropes that I'm still waiting for. The sort of um, we called this on the elder species, but kind of like the the ancient you know, all powerful species that has passed away and now we find the ruins and stuff. I'm still waiting to see if there's anything like that. And then we also have aliens that aren't necessarily, I don't know the term you would use for it, but they aren't, they aren't spacefaring. They aren't what we would call intelligent, the pyro crab, the, uh, the stormwall space whale and things like that. Obviously there are other aliens in the game. And I know a lot of people will have problems that, all of the aliens that we interact with are humanoid, but it just makes sense. It makes sense for the and, game. And another thing from from the early past of on this uh, conception or the development of of uh, Star Citizen, um, I think there was a stretch goal or um, some some mention some things mentioned in the law, in the law that there's uh, pl will be plans for to have a, an alien civilization that um, in the game when the, the game is live. The player will do first contact with them. So that would be fun. something else out there. Yeah. So there will be other stuff. But this has been sort of the original setup for the aliens, their languages, their cultures, and kind of kind of a way for people to wet their beak a little bit. But as Jail has mentioned multiple times throughout this show, uh, the Star Citizen Lore podcast um, that is put on by Astro Historian Paul Shelley. The Astro Pub is a great, great uh, chance to check out more lore every single month, multiple times a month. Sometimes I go on there sometimes, but mainly it is Jail, Algorid, and um, and Paul really throwing it down. I don't know the lore like these guys, but definitely check that out. Um, it's on all of the same d different podcast platforms that we are. It's on YouTube. So give that one a search. But before we wrap things up here, Jalen, and Chris, if you guys would like to let everybody know where they can find all of your content and uh, any other last words, please feel free. You can find me on Twitter and you can find me on YouTube. Yeah, if you can find me on Twitter and um, on our Discord, um, we have a website called ueexi.com where you find the, the Discord invite link and all the um, links to the uh, tools and learning materials yeah you can just if you're interested learning languages come to our discord server and then we can have you if you want to get beaten up by lore star citizen <laughs> is just such a big game it has has something for everybody even the lore is deep so thank you both for being here Thank you, everybody, for coming and listening. If you have on our audio platforms, which are ad-free, or on YouTube, if you are more interested in watching. This has been episode 57 of the launch sequence. I'm your host, Keenan, and I will see you all next week. That's like all. <laughs>